0: I mean, that's well, this the music. I mean, that's Another sort of music. Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. I don't usually do these spoken intros before the beginning of the first part of the show, but uh, we're just missing literally my first few syllables before the program starts and maybe the first question I asked our guest, who tonight is really happy to be doing the show with Daniel Sedanick a uh, brilliant percussionist I've known for a very long time. You've known him for a very long time, his music anyway. If not him personally, you'll feel like you know him after tonight, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's why I love doing the show. I've known this guy for a zillion years, and I invited him to, to do the show because I know he's a great listener, and I know he's impassioned about music music that he plays, and music that he listens to. And um, I had no idea that he felt as really strongly, deeply, as he does about the group we talk about tonight, the Art Ensemble of Chicago. So here we go. All right, this is just a few words into the top of the show. There's three parts. And one other thing I should tell you. Uh, he's talking about school at the very beginning here. And he is making a distinction between the school he went to nyu new york university and the school where our radio station is where that hosts deep focus and the radio stations wkcr the school is columbia university so that's what he's talking about here at the very beginning okay you're in it now
1: i, I kind of sort of grew up around here i went to nyu but my brother went to school here so i used to come up and visit him all the time and and uh, try to Sneak my way into the radio station.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that, man.
1: Onto uh, uh,
0: older brother, I take
1: it. He was an. Old, he was two years. He is two years older than me.
0: Yeah. That's that's real, uh, and a New York family at that.
1: Exactly. We uh, we grew up in the Bronx.
0: Now, and I was trying to think of. I almost can't remember a time when I didn't know you and your music, but I was remembering, and we haven't discussed this in several years bringing you to the studio with a group that you were playing with at the time. BMF. <laughs> Bm, Beautiful music forever.
1: If you want to call it that. And
0: if you think it stands for something else, we're not going to say it on the radio. Well,
1: the acronym stands for itself.
0: It does. That, that was a great band. That was a great band. I, I haven't, I got to admit, I haven't listened to those tapes in a long, I long time. I have them.
1: I have them. And uh, was, it was great because uh, the very renowned alto saxophonist Vince Herring was yeah. in the band. And Vince was really, he was really the... Uh, I would say the founder of that band, and this is when we're talking hmm, like 1983, 84.
0: I was trying to remember because I was I remember. So
1: we know each other about 30 yeah. over 30 years, Mitch, because right. that's when Street playing was right. really, really prominent in the city.
0: Now you guys did become a uh, a band that was heard in clubs and all over the place, but you started out as a street band. That was that, and and people at that time. Yeah, it was a thing to play on the street and if you were a person who lived out in the world in New York City, you you knew it was happening. You knew all the bands and you guys always had a big circle of people around you and the dollars were flying.
1: Oh yeah. We knew we knew the streets like the back of our hand. I could tell you so <laughs> many stories of how to how to evade this certain cop, <laughs> uh-huh. this certain policeman at this time and when a, this sergeant goes on his break so you can get a quick Forty-five minutes in, we we had it down. <laughs> now
0: know. let me ask you, because you, a whole other story. You play with a big range of bands to this day. You're and people have heard you and um, with with huge pop acts and with improvised music and all different kinds of music. And you're playing in whatever it might be an arena, a stadium, mm-hmm. uh, whatever venue. What? did you learn playing on the street that stays
1: with you first of all I I grew up as a drummer and it was only hmm I was only playing percussion congas for a couple of years before I got into the street band so what I learned especially from Vince and we had a a tenor saxophonist who I don't know where he is right now he's from Wisconsin um Charles Davis right um uh, not Charles Davis, the baritone player, but Charles Davis, the, the tenor saxophone player. Um, no, he's from Milwaukee. Excuse me. Well, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> somewhere out there, out yeah. by Jersey, somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I learned. I mean, be, also being a drummer first, I knew jazz vocabulary. Whereas I, you know, a lot of percussionists, you know, might know pop vocabulary or Latin, you know, Afro-Cuban, which I knew as well because I was studying it. But I really knew jazz vocabulary, which which I guess was kind of rare for a percussionist. I mean, I could tell you if that's Hank Mobley 1956, if you know if, or if it's Johnny Griffin 1963, you know what label was on what year and wow. and so I consider myself like a, a a student of music in general, but but I would say my love and my concentration was being a student of jazz.
0: So now when we uh first talked about doing this show and I know You've got a big vocabulary and a lot of music that you love. And the first thing out of your mouth of what what band we might talk about, something you and I, I don't think, had ever discussed, the first thing you said was?
1: The Art Ensemble of Chicago. Why? Well, as a freshman at NYU in 1979, um, I had, I read, I was, you know, I I still do collect old downbeats, and I saw this article on the band, and it was just like, it was just it just blew me away. It was it was like the same type of feeling I got when I looked at Trains' A Low Supreme record. I mean, that stoicness of him just hits you, and the way the pictures were Downbeat of this quintet, the Art Ensemble of Chicago. I was like, okay, this is this is important. This so is it important a, music. So it was a visual experience. First. It was a visual experience, and then I was lucky to be. At NYU at that time, because in the Loeb Student Center, right, which it doesn't exist there anymore. But I mean, it was a haven, a haven for creative music. I mean, you go in there, and I remember being in there like not too long ago. You know, they had, you know, Pizza Huts, and you know this and that. And but back then, it was like a real place for people to yeah. to meet and to mingle and to converse. And there was no commercialism. There, there were there was a cafeteria downstairs, you know, right, right, but upstairs was just all creative things going on bulletin boards events um and they used to have all these people playing there just like if you just went into the student union center just to you know hang out there would be william hooker doing a jazz jazz drum solo there'd be some of the people from the group air steve mccall the drummer uh Charles Gale would be right. up in there. Um,
0: Charles was another one. He was playing in the streets back then too. Yeah, yeah. He used to play on 14th, I remember.
1: Yeah, he, he probably was a little before us cuz I don't remember recall running into him at all. I don't remember that. And it, just the vibe in the student union building was just it was just intense. I mean, I I just spent hours in there, you know, reading about you know jazz groups and listening to to they had Ronald Shannon Jackson in there yeah you know they had everybody in there, they, I saw Malachi in there one day playing with I forget the I forget the band it was probably with Steve McCall it was a trio it wasn't air but it was you know and so, Malachi being Ma, Malachi being the Malachi Favors hostess being the bass player of the Art Ensemble Chicago, so the visual first to them and just reading about them and. Um, and in fact, their records were kind of hard to find yeah. back then. Uh, I remember paying $17 each for Fanfare for the Warriors Wow. and Baptism. Wow. And I remember my professor, I brought him in to show it to her. Her name was Laura Wilson. She was married to Ahmed Abdul-Malik, huh. who taught bass at NYU. Wow. For those of you who don't know, Ahmed was uh, he, he played bass many years with Thelonious Monk. Outstanding professor, yeah. outstanding human being, and he was great friends with Randy Weston. So Randy Weston would come by all the time at NYU, just hanging out. And I just remember, just NYU was just a hotbed of creative activity. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so of course I am reading about these guys. And then right up the street was the Public Theater. Right now, everyone knows it as Joe's Pub. There was no Joe's Pub back then. It was the Public Theater. There was a bunch of different theaters in there, and I remember getting my tickets with you know, complete over, overjoyed anticipation of getting my tickets to see the art ensemble Chicago. And I was like sitting up front and just walking into the, to the theater. I mean, it's all this gear. I mean, right.
0: You know, yeah. That yeah, the, when they played, yeah. maybe give people a visual sense of what the stage would look like, no matter how big a stage it was or, or small, but usually it was a,
1: a theater. Right. I mean, first of all, like, the drums were draped with, you know, very colorful, like, either, you know, uh, blankets, uh, probably, you know, uh, of African origin or something, and everything was just colorful, and and Moye's drum head on his bass drum was like, said, sun percussion, and had a bunch of colors. I mean, it's like, you walked in there, and you, it was like when you walk into Yankee Stadium and you yep. see the the magnificent greenery of the field, you know, it, it was like that walking into the theater, and I knew I was in for something special. And when they played, it was just, I was I was hooked. It was just ridiculous. Yeah,
0: maybe uh, you do such a great job of painting the picture. Maybe uh, talk a little bit about the the physical presence of the guys and their the way they presented themselves.
1: You know, ha- having read about them and seen the pictures, I it It didn't even do justice to when they finally walked out on stage. Roscoe Mitchell would come out in overalls, then you had Malachi favors, Joseph Jarman and fambadou Daari coming out in african garb and I mean just so beautiful and colorful and face paint face paint and you know just the 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 idea of, you know they spent a lot of time on this concept. You know the idea of color, the idea of vibrancy, the idea of luminosity. It was just, it was just something to really behold. And I only wish I could invite everyone I know now back, <laughs> back in time to 1979 when you're I first saw him. You're
0: doing it, and you're doing it.
1: You're doing it. And and then of course Lester would come out. Lester being Lester Bowie, the trumpeter, the amazing trumpeter and composer. He would come out in a, a lab coat. And sometimes uh, a chef's hat as well, and that concept being he's in the lab, he's a mad scientist. I, lo- I he's, love
0: that concept he's, of the lab coat and the chef's hat. And the chef's hat. hat, he's
1: cooking up something. <laughs> yeah, he's cooking so up perfect. something that's, you know, so, you know, to come up with those ideas. I mean, that's that's nothing short of genius, yeah. you know. And and Roscoe was just himself, you know. He 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 just wore right. whatever he wore.
0: Yeah, he would be in street clothes.
1: Yeah. Uh, later years very, he would later yes. years he would wear these amazing suits yes. you know like this all oh, really vibrant suits with polka dots on yeah. them and stuff like that but
0: he was kind of i remember a sort of professorial vibe and he was a professor of uh, music in uh in Wisconsin as a matter of fact and
1: plus when they came out on stage they just they would face the east that was their their moment of meditation they would face the east and just in quiet silence and the silence was riveting. Just, just that's, you know, the, the silence was riveting, and you could tell they were just getting their thoughts together, getting, and then someone would start, maybe Malachi, maybe Famadu, they would start with some little instruments, some little bells, and then it just would increase and increase and increase, and then by the end of the set, it was just, you know, a firestorm of, of musical ideas. Now, you have to understand that the music, the theater of it all, the stoicness, the the solemnness, and the humor as well. Yes, I mean there. I don't think there was any. I don't think to this day there's been any kind of band that could equal what they what they did, aside from them being masters of their instruments and master. I mean these you know Joseph and Roscoe. I mean how many different types of flutes and alto and oboe and bassoon. I mean these guys could that's not easy to do to have, you know, the right embouchure for all those different instruments that they could switch to at any given moment depending on what the vibe, you know, dictated. So, uh I was just mesmerized and I think from 1979 until today, I don't every time they've played in New York, I I've never missed it. You know, it's just it's some it's something it's it's like going to see Alvin Alvinelli, you know. It's like like the music is wonderful, but then you combine music with the dance, you know, and, and the lighting and, and the and the vibrancy of whatever the dancers are wearing. I mean, to me the art ensemble they they're playing, in my opinion, they're playing as if dancers are there as well. They're they're so well in tune with, you know, uh, the African tradition that music is not just one aspect of society, it's part of a whole thing. It's part of whether it's a funeral, it's part of whether it's a wedding, um, I know there are certain uh, certain parts of the world uh, where, if a baby has died stillborn, that's a cause for celebration because the baby has gone straight to heaven, has not committed one sin. So, I think the Art Ensemble of Chicago took all those traditions and and uh, and beliefs, and they put that into their music, and it was, of course. You know, demonstrated as well by the th- the theatrics of it all.
0: And I, I love the fact they're the only band I can think of in uh, that we play in this station in particular that had a motto.
1: It's yeah, it's not only their motto; it's it's how they describe music. You know, there's a there's so many uh, conversations and debates and arguments about the word jazz. I mean you say the word jazz, I think a lot of people know what type of music it is, but it doesn't really define and its origins come from a pretty negative, you know, environment of, you know, probably, you know, white culture putting its stamp on this and then where it came from the name Jazz, jizz, you know, House of little Repute, all those things. So the artists Salem of Chicago realizing that this is a black tradition jazz whatever you want to call it but not even jazz rock uh, soul and now hip-hop it's all coming from a black tradition and the way they wanted that to be known was instead of calling it a certain thing because they were masters at playing every genre so they didn't want to call it jazz they didn't want to call it they called it great black music ancient to the future
0: There it is. There it is. Daniel Sedanik. Oh, I'm so happy to have you up here. This is, uh, we call this Deep Focus, and we have assembled some fantastic live recordings that have never been released, that even some of the most absolutely dedicated collectors haven't found their way to, but you are going to hear them tonight. And uh, you already did. You heard a little bit of that performance from Stockholm, 1974. I think you have the... Uh, listing of the date and the personnel on there and the venue. And uh, we'll give you a little bit more information about that. Uh, one of the exciting things about this date, very unusual, is that Muhal Richard Abrams makes an appearance on piano here, which is really thrilling. Um, a fantastic pianist who comes out of the same, uh, also from Chicago, in the same tradition and uh, um, very much kindred spirits. Um a rare treat hearing them together. Yeah, well,
1: a lot of musicians that were in Chicago uh, and even St. Louis that came out of, you know, bad black <clears> artist <throat> group, but a lot of them also were part of, uh, you know, the AACM. Yes. Hall being, I think, one of the founders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the AACM was this wonderful community set up in Chicago with all the great musicians. We're talking everybody from the Art Ensemble of Chicago to Muhal to George Lewis to. Um, you know, Wadada Leo Smith. We're talking a bunch of folks, um and the it was the, the acronym stood for the advancement, the association of the advancement of creative musicians, and then Anthony Braxton came out of this. It was just you know workshops, and you know, still to this day, yeah. And and you know, it was like you know prevalent that you learn how to you know make your own instrument. I mean, I, I know Fábio Duhamel, you know, makes. His own instruments. I mean, I've, I've never met him, and I'd love to, but I'd, I know from people who do know him that, you know these people are—they're masters. That they're just—they're incredible people. They—they they, they can build their own instruments, and, and then they play it to the nth degree.
0: Absolutely. So now, this—I'll uh, mention this session is from another date on the tour that produced an album. Fans of this music might know Cabalaba, which was recorded in Montreux. Um, 1974. I think, yeah, and uh, let me grab this. That's okay. Um, that was, I think that was July, right? Am yeah, I right about was, that? That was, was July. July. Yeah. So this now it's October. A few months later, I, I might have said 74. It was 76. Yeah, am well, this, I right? This or am I
1: totally? I'm totally. No, this one was done, The Cabalaba was done in 74.
0: Okay, I'm completely wrong. I'm thinking about another another live date that we have, not from the same tour. Um, and you know what? As a matter of fact, this is not the one with Muhal. So the one with Muhal is from 74, but it's not from Stockholm, and it's not the one we're listening to. So forget that part for now.
1: It doesn't matter. It's all great. It's all
0: great. But we will play that one next. That's the one we're going to play next. Yeah,
1: because because you, you most people <clears throat> don't realize that the art ensemble's uh, instrumentation was bass, drums, trumpet, and Roscoe Mitchell and Joseph Jarman handling all the woodwinds. So there was no, quote-unquote, chordal instruments, although many of the guys could double on vibraphone and piano themselves. And uh, I I don't recall ever seeing them play th- a piano on stage, uh, but I saw them playing, you know, vibes and marimba. But the addition of adding Muhal Richard Abrams gave them, you know, a different flavor, you yes. know, th- with, with piano and... Uh, and Muhal would also come out in in African garb and paint, so it was just an augmentation of an already, you know, incredible ensemble.
0: Well, we will get to all that. All right. But we're uh, we are in the Kulturhuset in Stockholm, October twelfth, nineteen seventy six. It's the five musicians that Daniel Sedanik described for you. Crushed was that piece that we just heard, um, and then they go into. Uh, an extended piece called now hmm. how how fitting because we're going to play it now we are in deep focus on the art ensemble of chicago my name is mitch goldman my guest tonight i'm very happy to say daniel sadownick a great great student of this music and um let's go to stockholm unreleased live recording of the art ensemble of chicago from the wkcr archives mm-hmm. Thank okay. you. piece new starting with uh, ending with an explosion of percussion from Don Moyé in particular Famudu Don Moyé the drummer but all the musicians play percussion in the Art Ensemble of Chicago Lester Bowie Roscoe Mitchell Joseph Jarman Malachi Favors and uh, this recording made in October of 1976 in Stockholm never released this is from the KCR archives a true true Rarity of a, a bomb you can drop on any of your friends that love the Art Ensemble of Chicago, like our guest tonight on this program, Deep Focus, Daniel Sedinik. So, sir, yes, sir. I have heard and seen you play many times over the years to great satisfaction, and some truly, truly. Unusual circumstances, as I think back on it. Some of the bands I saw you play with. But, uh, and some, some great ones. And a big range of music. And uh, quite honestly, I was surprised to discover what a great fan of Art Ensemble Chicago you are. Um, not in a bad, I don't say that in a bad way. Just, um... I am wondering... What in this music, How? It, what it imparts in what you play, your way of thinking about music, your way of approaching what you do, what you get from Art Ensemble Chicago?
1: I think, you know, I was very impressionable back in my college days, and I believe for all the right reasons. I mean, you know, you look at album covers, and you kind of don't get that... You know that instant jolt of of uh, wonder from a CD. You know now everything is digit digital t- digitized. Um, when I when you look at a picture of Train or of Tony Williams, you see the seriousness and the passion. And with the Art Ensemble of Chicago all those elements and ingredients were were you know very plainly easy to see and in my own plane I always adopted this theory well, not a theory but this this motto or belief where you know I I go to see a lot of people play and, uh, and especially back in my younger years I was blown away by certain things and and not blown away by certain things and you know, nowadays, uh, you, know, you almost have to be the reincarnation of Coltrane to impress me, which is silly, <laughs> which is silly. But but because I take it very, very seriously and I've always thought that my belief was if it's not an event, then there's no reason to even show up. Mm-hmm. And um, in other words, music and the theater that goes along with it. I mean, you want to make it so when somebody listens to your music, you hope, you know, in an objective way, that they're taking something away with it that's that's meaningful. I just I don't want to just play music to to make money or to, you know, just blindly put some product out there. It, it's probably why I haven't put out a record in a, in a few years because I feel like I really want... It has to be a certain way. It has to have this seriousness to it, this you know emotion this passion uh it, it just can't be technical and watching the art ensemble play it was and listening to them it was just a, like I said earlier the combination of mastery of music mastery of of imagery of theater of dance of of, of whatever um I there was one tune they were playing a waltz I remember it was the Newport Jazz Festival. They were, did a midnight show at Town Hall, and it one. They, they, you know, these were the days when bands took an intermission. Right, and you got right. your money's <laughs> worth. You know, they play for an hour. They, you know, and the crowd's going nuts, and then the lights come up, and you know, and then there's, it's, there's intermission, and, you can, and there's going to be more music. Right, you know. I remember they they were playing this amazing waltz, and you know, and Moyer was dancing with a broom. You know, and it uh-huh. and it probably was just he saw a broom at the side of the stage, you know, Mm -hmm. backstage and he took it, you know, and it was just perfect. And so there's humor in it too, but the seriousness of trying to parlay a message from your music, I mean, music is, you know, it's for entertainment, but it it can also be for a lot of other things. So I would watch them and the seriousness and I would, you know, incorporate that into my own plan. I mean, as a freshman at NYU, we used to have to do recitals I mean, you had to do recitals all the time, but I remember as a freshman. I mean, I was coming out in daishikis, You know, it's just mm-hmm. like—I yeah. mean, I grew up in the Bronx, so I grew up thinking. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> thinking I was not white, you know. So, uh, I, and I was surrounded by wonderful role models, um, and and friends, and and people of all races and creeds and colors and and that always stayed with me you know it didn't matter who you were it just mattered how cool you were you know and how nice you were and giving and supportive and, and I wanted to take the elements of the art ensemble and bring that into my own plane I mean I would I mean not to blow my own horn here but at NYU every year they would give out an award to the best musician in in the program. Now, we're talking, you know, concert violinists and pianists and cellists, and I would always get the award, you know, like four years straight. And the reason being is because I was, everyone was doing music that was done, you know, you know Bach and Chopin and, and Mozart and Beethoven, but I was doing my own music. Mm-hmm. I took chances. You know, I would write these crazy pieces, some which had a lot of musical validity to them, some that I might cringe on now, but (laughs) I, but, but it was creative and And I took chances. I was going for something and every professor there understood that because we're, this is NYU, you know, the professors, they were hip, you know, they wore bow ties and they were, you know, quoting Nietzsche all day, you know, they were, they were hip, they were like beatniks, but they were all, they all had PhDs, they were brilliant and they all like sit down at that's awesome you know because they I wasn't doing you know pre-written music I was doing my own thing and I incorporated you know I would see Cecil Taylor and you, 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 would, you know by watching the Cecil Taylor performance how intense it is and, and I wanted to evoke that same type of you know emotion and passion and feeling into my own music whether it succeeded or not that's subjective I
0: think you, I can say uh, dispassionately that it's very much succeeded, mm. Daniel Sedanek, my guest tonight on Deep Focus. We're taking a deep focus look at the Art Ensemble of Chicago. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR FM, New York, and you, for listeners who, I'm many, many of them have seen you playing with a wide variety of performers, and if you see this, very serious-looking warrior on stage, surrounded by... That's
1: the right word. That's the word I would use to describe what I'm trying to... You know, and it goes back to one of the Art Ensemble's records, Fanfare for the Warriors. I mean, it, that record, I think, is my favorite Art Ensemble record because it, it just exemplifies the music, the ti- even the titles of the, of the, the songs that exemplify what I'm trying to go after in my own music.
0: It, now, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind... Tell us some of the groups that people might have heard you playing with, um, in whatever. Sure, whatever area. You well, might I, like. I
1: just want people to know that our host Mitch Goldman is not just a, not only just a uh, supreme radio impresario, but he's also a filmmaker. And uh, he was responsible for a, a series back in, I think, 99, uh, you know, um, Live at the Knitting Factory that was shown. What, the IFC channel? Uh,
0: well, BET. BET B-E-T-J, Jazz, yeah.
1: right, which no longer exists. But So Mitch has his hands in a lot of things that give us, the musicians, a lot of um, uh, room to develop and create our music. So I want to thank you for always being at the forefront of some creative thing that's going on in the city, you know, but I you know, and Mitch filmed, um, the group that I'm in, uh, the screaming headless torsos
0: not to be missed. You guys don't play as often as you used to in New York.
1: We're getting a new record out and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going to hit it hard. Watch, We're gonna... watch
0: this space for further details. You do not <laughs> want to miss this band. We, you do not want to miss this
1: band. I mean, it's been a long time since we put something out. You know, everyone has been scattered. Uh, Fuse, Dave Fusinski, the leader, founder, and an intense guitar player. He's been, you know, teaching full time at Berkeley and going out on the road with Rudresh. I don't know how to pronounce Mas-ha. it. May yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Him. And Jack DeJanet's band. So, Fuse has been working tirelessly. And but we're we're getting our record together. We've got a bunch of uh, tunes in the cans, and it's going to be released soon. But I, I've I've played with a, many different jazz artists that I'm so proud to be. Uh, say that I have played. I mean, these were people that I was listening to in high school. I mean, I got to play and record with Michael Brecker. Yeah, I mean, that's a dream come true. I was listening yeah. to to. Brecker Brothers when I was in high school and yeah. there I am sharing the same stage with him in, at the Iridium and, and in Japan and I'm on his record uh, Quindec the Quindec Ted Wide Angles which won a Grammy so it is a blessing Yeah. so uh, I played on with Dewey Redmond records uh, so many people Nat Adderley mm-hmm. and, a lot of, and, right, right. and a lot of pop people too which I love I, you know being in New York gives you the advantage of playing in all kinds of different situations from the most avant-garde to the most mainstream pop so
0: do you have a website where people want to find out more about what you're doing? I do.
1: It's danielsadownick.com. It is under construction because I wanted to, uh, this, this stuff's been up there for a long time. <laughs> I wanted to revamp it. So it's being uh, rebuilt um, as we speak. And uh, But right now, you can just follow me on Facebook. There you go. On Twitter, whatever.
0: Daniel, you know how to spell Sadownik. Sadownick. S-A-D-O-W-N-I-C-K. Sadownick. Thank you. <laughs> but look, this man up. This is if you want to know a place to hear some music, wherever you are, the beat is happening. So uh,
1: I appreciate that, Mitch. Thank you.
0: So we're gonna should we go back to uh, Stockholm? Dear old Stockholm. You've probably been through there a couple of few times. Yeah,
1: it's it's wonderful. It's uh, they really uh, have a great ear for jazz. They're very very supportive. They come out in droves, and I played there with a bunch of different people. Even going there with the Screaming Headless Torso's, I mean, the line was around the block. So. They're great, great listening people over there.
0: And uh, our great thanks go to uh, the local radio station that created this recording. We wouldn't have it for you if it hadn't been for that. There's, you know, almost all of these recordings, almost all, come from Europe. And it's a great tradition there, which I I hope, I hope weathers the financial storm they're going through over there. Because I know there's a lot of pressure on them. And uh, it's a great resource that we're.
1: You know, it's it's so weird, Mitch. I think if people are just exposed to something, they'll come to like it, and that's what they do in Europe. I, I could be in a after a gig, late night in my hotel room, just relaxing, and turn on the television, and there'll be some show from concert from 1975 of some band is showing, or even something recent. But it, but they show it. Yes, you know they show it.
0: Now, thankfully, a lot of this stuff has turned up on YouTube. YouTube's been a tremendous, and all around the web, great resource for all kinds of things Absolutely. that uh, people have better access to than any time ever. So there's good that comes with the bad. These are hard times for musicians. So let me also take this opportunity to pull on your coat a little bit and tell you a little something. You owe it to yourself. You don't owe this, aside from any duty we may have to the music or to the people that play it, you owe it to yourself. To get out there and be with this music, to really fully experience this, you want to be in the room with it. You want to be breathing with the musicians.
1: Yeah, it's a shame that you know it's it. You know, two members of the Art Ensemble of Chicago have passed: uh, Lester Bowie, uh, the amazing trumpeter in '98, and Malachi Favors in 2004, I believe. Um, and uh, watching that quintet in its heyday was just you know i wish i wish i could put into a into a crystal ball and be able to take people back to that time you know a time machine or something because i put i posted it on my facebook you know that i was coming here and i put a link from a youtube clip and a lot of people like whoa i've never heard of this or seen this but this is amazing tell me more you know so i'm if i can, if if it's our job as you know musicians and filmmakers and djs and just creative people in general to to advance um, people's uh, or you know expand their horizons as far as uh, what they can listen to um then if if I can do that then then i feel I feel satisfied.
0: How important is it to you as a musician having attentive listeners, having people give something back.
1: Oh, it makes a huge difference. I mean, you could, you know, you could, I remember with the torsos, we did a tour a few years ago. We were in Europe and it was 19 shows in 21 days. We really <laughs> had no days off. Yeah. And you know, with, with the screaming headless torsos, I mean, you're playing, you're playing hard all night long. You're playing hard. Well, <laughs> the whole band is, I mean, you know, as a percussionist, I mean, my fingers were just <laughs> raw, you know, using lots and lots of tape on my <laughs> fingers. But, You could be tired, you know, and you could be exhausted from an eight-hour van ride or a 12-hour train ride that you got up for five in the morning to make a three o'clock, you know, sound check or something. And, but two things come to mind when I say this. One is that the people are going to give you back that energy. You you give it to them, you know, and they're going to give it right back to you. Um, I remember even... Being like, uh, I had food poisoning, and but the crowd was like so on our side and and my side because they the fuse I told them what I'd been through in German that uh right that, that, that in you were in Germany you know. German, that's yeah, right yeah so, so they were like I mean it was like amazing experience even though I was like sick as a dog but it was amazing because they got me through that show but also you know I have a lot of musical influences I mean when I was growing up, before I really got into jazz, I was a big Santana fan.
0: Mm-hmm. You mean you're not still a big Santana I fan? I still am. A still a big <laughs> yeah. Santana fan. Yeah,
1: the old, the early <laughs> Santana from 1969 <laughs> to like 1974 or so. That's, that's my favorite period. Mm-hmm. But within that, even after that, they had this great percussionist named Armando Parasa. Yeah, and he was one yeah. of the, the, you know, the torch bearers of bringing, you know, Cuban music to New York. I mean, to, to the United States. Um, but Carlos would describe Armando in these terms. He would say, because Armando was 75 at the time and he was going on tour with Santana. He goes, you know, us younger guys, we're shuffling our feet, you know, through the airport and, you know, groggy and we haven't taken a shower. And there's Armando in a beautiful suit and tie and polished shoes. And he's 75 years old and he's got more energy than all of us. He goes, that's my role model. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I take in, into consideration, even though I might be dog tired, people have paid their money and they want to see a good show, and you don't want to disappoint them. You know, I've I've seen shows where people are disappointing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it could be for whatever reasons. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're tired, whatever. But if, you know, this is what I love to do. So if I'm on stage, I'm going to channel Famadou Damoye. Mm-hmm. I'm going to channel Lester Bowie. I'm going to channel John Coltrane. I'm mm-hmm. going to channel Tony Williams. You know, I'm going to, those are my role models, and I hopefully, I don't want to say, I could be a role model to certain people, but I just want the music to to be the role model and I want the music to be strong. And I want to say, yeah, I did my part. I could never, you can never, you know, sell yourself short. I don't care if there's two people in the audience, that one person might be somebody really, really, you know, special and important or someone who's just, you change their life or whatever. So,
0: so now keep that in mind. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you I am saying, I am saying this is a different experience. Going out and hearing music and listening, actively listening, paying attention to music is a different experience than, say, going to the movies or going to some other thing. This is, you are part of this show. In this music, Mm -hmm. you are part of the creation of the music. If you are listening to it, you are creating it to a certain extent. And uh, so really, I'm just calling on you to, to... Get outside yourself. Get out of the house. Go out and be with this music. It is everywhere you look if you look.
1: You know, just expounding on that. I remember I went to the Knitting Factory when it was still on uh, Houston or uh, no, Leonard. Leonard Street, <clears throat> and uh, the Art Ensemble were playing. Mm. Now Lester had passed away, and Joseph Jarman was not in the band at the time. He was, you know, exploring his his Buddhist beliefs, and he had a dojo in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, he just went wanted to you know do something different for the time being. So I thought, okay, Lester's gone, Joseph's not here. I was like, I had, for some awful stupid reason I had like low expectations of what the show was gonna be. It was just Malachi on bass, Famadu on drums and Roscoe. It was like going to church. It was insane. You know I mean, yes, the other two major proponents of this band were not there but it still was the Art Ensemble of Chicago. It was like, I, I mean, I go goosebumps just thinking about it now. People were just like, I felt like people were being possessed, man. It was, it was packed, too. It Why was, was packed. It was nuts. And and talk about, you know, three people laying out some serious, serious energy. Oh, yes. I remember that show. So I remember sitting next to the guy, the guy next to me. He was just closing his eyes. He was just rocking back and forth. I was like, man, he's he's in it. He is in it. And people were just screaming. It was, it was so intense. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'll, mm-hmm. just, I'll never forget that. Yeah, well,
0: we uh, invite you to join the world of music. And uh, here's an opportunity right now. Art Ensemble of Chicago. I am talking with Daniel Sedownick, percussionist, lover of music, spirit, guide, <laughs> thinker.
1: All right, please, the
0: music, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR. We're deep in the archives, and uh, we're going back to Stockholm, October 12, 1976. Um, you might you might recognize a couple of these last few pieces on WKCR. Mm-hmm. okay you know what we're all about it's deep focus that was part one of three parts of this program from april 18th 2013 danny daniel Sedanik, i should say i know him as danny but uh he goes by daniel his given name a fine old testament name and a fine fellow that he is and a super fan of the Art Ensemble Chicago, as you no doubt can tell, and I have a feeling if you weren't one yourself when the show started, you're well on your way now. This is uh, some very powerful stuff. If uh, if you're enjoying the show, hey, I I do have one thing I ask of you. Uh, We don't ask for money or anything like that, but uh, like us up, give us a thumbs up, give us uh, five stars or whatever your podcasting app. Allows because that's going to help some folks who have not heard about this show learn about it. It really makes a difference. You know there are millions of podcasts floating around out there, a lot of good ones, but um, I don't know any like this. Anyway, you're on board. I don't have to say anything more. And if you're looking for us, you could find us at uh, on Instagram. We are Deep Focus Podcast, Deep underscore Focus underscore Podcast on Instagram. And really just so glad you're along for the ride for this. All right. That's part one. See you over at part two.